it's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot whiz dollies and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John, no idea what's going on. I can't pay attention at any good rate. Looks from parishioners, old ladies, and ushers. I guess I'll throw some extra bucks in the collection plate. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. How the heck are you, Jeff? I'm fantastic. I feel like every week I talk about how excited I am. And yeah. people think I'm just making it up, but I really am really excited for this week. Can't wipe that smile off your face. Oh, thank you. Um, and joining us today is Father Dufresne, Father Father Jeff Dufresne, right? Yes, well, it's good Father to be with Dufresne, you. That's what you wrote down. How many, how many times, what's the worst mispronunciation of your name then? Because it's D-U-F-R-E-S-N-E. That's right. That's right. It's uh, it's been pronounced pretty much every way phonetically in some ways that I I don't understand how people get it. But Dufresne is probably the most common. Dufresne. Yeah, that I've heard that one. Do you correct? Yeah. Are you the person that corrects someone when they get it wrong, or do you just roll with it? If if they have this look on their face of of kind of anxiety, I try to calm them by <laughs> by kind of helping them out a little bit. Usually what I get is that people see my name like at a doctor's office and they say, Jeffrey, and then they hope I respond before they have to say the last name. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I, I don't correct people. It's, uh, I just realized two Jeffs. How about that? Oh, good day. Good that's day. gotta be a great day. And, uh, it's probably your last name issue has probably gotten a lot easier now that you just go by father. So that's right. My first name has gotten really easy to remember just father. <laughs> um, so father Dufresne, we're excited to have you join. Do you, do you prefer father Jeff or father Dufresne? I don't, I don't really correct people on that either. Usually, usually I go by father Dufresne, but it, awesome. I, I respond to everything that isn't you know, a direct don't insult. Tell us that. Don't tell us that. Um, so, Father Dufresne, you are pastor of St. Philip Neary Parish in the Archdiocese of Indianapolis. And I'm really excited for you to join us because, guys, a lot of the priests who we invite onto the podcast are, are priests that Scott and I happen to have known or we've met at some point in time. Or we, But, Father Dufresne, I, I know I've met you, but, like, never in a way that, like, has that, like, we've really gotten to know each other or talk to each other. But you are joining us on the podcast because you are a priest who on your own listened to our podcast and tweeted about us. So like, <laughs> that's phenomenal. That, that, that means so much. Like you so shared. Invited, just now I'm kidding. Yeah, no. So I'm really excited because like we have a priest who a was a listener, which for so long, the rain joke was we had all these priests who were on and none of them ever listened. And now I know there are a few who listen, but you listened on your own 
and came to, how did you come up across our podcast? Well, I, I'm actually very new to Twitter. I haven't been on Catholic Twitter for very long. So um, this, I, I came across you guys because a, a lot of my priest friends were asked on the podcast and would, uh, I usually talk to a lot of priests in the course uh, on the phone uh, at lunches in the course of like planning my homily for the week. And uh, the podcast really kind of saved me some of those phone calls. So I was like, well, why am I going to call him when I, he's already recorded you know what what he's going to say this weekend. So it is humbling to know that we have priests who listen to our podcast to help write their homilies. Like that's awesome. So thank you, Father. All Absolutely. Right. Um, Jeff, do you want to take us to the two minute drill? Yeah, let's get to the part that's not helpful for a priest to plan their podcast. My two minute drill. Um, all right, our fifth Sunday of Lent, we went with drum roll year B readings. Father, is that what you're preaching on? Yes, I'm preaching on both, actually. So oh. but let's do your B. Okay. <laughs> let's Wait, do you're, you. you're preaching on both? Like a different oh. master at the same Look time? Look at you, young, young and still vibrant, writing two different homilies. Good for you, Father. Well, the, the trick is you don't write them. You you preach from the heart, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, preach I... Preach from uh, the heart. We know what that means. We have, one, we have one mass where we have the scrutiny and the other two masses. Um, we, we won't be celebrating it, so we'll just use your B. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to talk year B today. So our first reading comes from Jeremiah. We've got another covenant alert. I love when we talk covenants. I just, I really do. It's always, oh, Scott, I forgot you have a soundboard now. <laughs> covenant alert. So, covenant alert. Uh, we're talking about making a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And, um, and, and it's going to be, this one's going to be more positive. It's going to be a cleaner one. It's going to be uh, nice. And it's not like the last time, but better. But the most important thing I took away was that the least to the greatest will know God. Like from the least to the greatest. This one isn't just for the top tier. This is about everybody will be brought into this. Um, our responsorial psalm this week, we got a banger here. We have a banger for sure. This is top of the charts. Create a clean heart in me, O God. Now, when I hear it in my head, I hear create in me a clean heart, O God. But uh, that this is one that like I can even hear the verses of it just ringing out in the church. I'm really excited for uh, this, this Sunday banger. And then our second reading uh, comes from Hebrews is a short one. Uh, so in the flesh, we're led to prayers. And or in the days of Christ, when he was in the flesh, he prayed. And he prayed and his prayers were heard because of his reverence. And then through that, he became an eternal source of salvation. So in his life, his reverence led him to prayer. But in his death, he's become an eternal source of salvation to us. And then we go to the gospel reading, uh, Gospel of John, chapter 12. Some Greeks who had come to worship at the Passover feast came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Amen, amen, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls on the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. Whoever hates his life in this world will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, there will also there also will my servant be. The Father will honor whoever serves me. I'm troubled now. Yet what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. 
but it was for this purpose that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. When a voice came from the heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd there heard it and said it was thunder, but others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, The voice did not come for my sake, but for yours. Now is the time of judgment on this world, and now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this, indicating the kind of death he would die. That was a real G, from what I understand. Yes, we just learned this last week, Father Dufresne. We've decided that if it's a really good, solid gospel that we're really excited about, uh, one of my high school students joined us on the podcast last week and said we should call that a G, like okay. the greatest or the yeah. We're not the sure. greatest the gospel of all time or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But goat apparently is outdated, so that was G. Oh my gosh, I'm so old. Yeah. I know. Uh, We're Father, young and hip, so you're right. good. Father, you don't have a podcast to listen to to uh, to, to to steal your homily from the, this this week. So. What are you planning on preaching this week? Well, I, I think uh, my my ego kind of wants to assure the listeners that I don't just wing it every Sunday. So I, I, something <laughs> something on this whole two minute drill. <laughs> something something that they might want to know uh, about Saint Philip Neri is that we speak two languages there, um, English and Spanish. And so when you when you have to preach in two languages at every Sunday mass or multiple masses, then um, it's a little so more you, cumbersome to write your homily. You preach in both languages, like so. You'll you'll say one sentence in English and one sentence in Spanish, or how's that work? No. Uh, so for two of the masses, I give like a short summary at the beginning of the of the language that isn't the main language of the mass, and then I give the whole homily. But at the, um, so that's kind of the method I use now, especially at Spanish mass. You know, trying to preach to the younger the younger kids and young adults that don't speak Spanish as well. Um, I try to give them a little English, but it's, you know, sometimes I'll go like, I'll finish an idea in one language, preach it in the other language and then go back and forth. But I think I speak for Scott when I say, if you could do the podcast in English, that would be really helpful. <laughs> that it's, it was actually kind of something that threw me off. I was like, what do I say in English about all of this? But, <laughs> so, but anyway, as I look at these readings, you know, especially, for the fifth Sunday of Lent, uh, I I always look for something liturgical, you know, something kind of tangible that I can point people to. And and I don't know in, in your parishes if, if this is done, it's an option, but at, at the fifth Sunday of Lent is traditionally where we would veil any image of Christ, uh, the Blessed Mother, any of the saints in our churches. Have you guys ever seen that? Yeah. Yeah. In purple so, cloth? Yes, in in purple or in violet cloth, we would uh, we would veil the images. And this this tradition comes what from a time when was, it's violet, not purple, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> just like it's rose, not pink. <laughs> it is. I'm. I would be more triggered by pink than purple. So if, <laughs> if you say if you call rose pink, I'm going to correct you. But if you call violet purple, I'll just gently kind of turn it back to violet. <laughs> Um, it's, it's not often priests gently correct me on this show, so I appreciate right. it. <laughs> no problem. So, liturgical color day at, at seminary. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We maybe we should uh, have like a continuing ed class for campus ministers <laughs> about liturgical colors. <laughs> so we'll do a whole podcast. These these uh, 
this veiling of images came at the fifth Sunday of Lent because that that used to be the beginning of what was called Passion Tide. Mm-hmm. So we didn't always call Palm Sunday Passion Sunday. Um, so Passion Tide was like two weeks of focusing on the Passion and the Gospel for that day before we had the three year lectionary. At the very end of the Gospel, it said Christ uh, Christ hid Himself. The the Pharisees were the, the Jews were about to stone him. And so Christ hid himself. And so that that's where kind of the explanation of the veiling of images comes from. And I think that that dovetails very nicely with with our readings today so that I, I'm tempted always to, to look for something tangible. And, you know, we don't we veil things in, in ordinary human life. Right. There, uh, a bride wears a veil at her wedding. You know, we kind of veil things before they're revealed, like if there's a new statue or a new work of art. Um, and, and we do this for, for the same reason in the liturgy. You know, we uh, and I, I know because I've listened that there has been another episode where you've talked about the Ciborium veil. Right. And uh, yeah. and, and the chalice veil. And so veiling images um, is a way of continuing our, our Lenten penance and fasting, fasting visually. Um, from these images of the saints and of Christ. Um, it's, it's an image that reminds us that Christ kind of hides himself. Um, but things are only veiled so that they can be revealed, right? They're veiled out of reverence. You know, we don't keep the chalice veiled the whole mass. We take the veil off when the chalice is, is going to be used to hold the blood of Christ. And so Christ hides himself so that we will seek him. That's the point of him hiding himself, right? If you, if you're, you know, I know this this podcast is directed at you know kind of busy parents and families, and if you think of a game of hide and seek, you know, you want to hide yourself sufficiently well that it takes some time, but ultimately you want to be found. Like there, there's there's a certain sadness for the child who plays hide and seek in a group of children, and then like you never get found, right? Because you hide yourself too well. It's, it's similar with Christ, right? Christ, Christ hides himself and he, he hides himself in so many ways. You know, we, Christ is hidden all over in, in creation. All things are created through him. He's, he's hidden all throughout the Old Testament. He's, he's hidden all around us. And he tells us in, in our brothers and sisters, he's present to us. And so Christ hides himself because he desires that we seek him and that we find him. Um, this is really great. I'm not so, saying oh. that like I'm shocked, but like that's that's I, I've always <laughs> known about the veiling of images, but I've never like understood it in the way that you're describing it. And like, that's really awesome. Yeah. I've always walked into a church when in the, you know, statues were veiled and, and suddenly just thought like something is missing. Like we can walk into a church and, you know, these beautiful icons and these beautiful images and these statues, they can become ordinary and they're not ordinary objects. We we should look at them. We should pray with them. We should, but you know, in the kind of the routine and everydayness of our lives, we, we just come in and they're, they're our surroundings. So that gave us, gives us an opportunity, but yeah, that's a really, really good explanation. I, I do have a, a qualifying question. So the, is there, is there also a, a, um, a correlation to, I think it's called a Paul, like the mm-hmm. cloth that goes over, a casket? Yeah. So a pall uh, is more like a vestment 
than a veil. So the okay. the pall the the funeral pall represents the baptismal garment that we're clothed with at baptism, right? So it um and is that also it, what is uh called the thing that goes on top of the chalice? Is that yes, also the ch- called a pall? So the yes, so the chalice pall um really has a, a more of a practical purpose. Um so let's like a couple of weeks ago actually this horse fly landed on the altar and scared, scared the heck out of me at mass. I mean, my parishioners probably, it was daily mass. I was praying mass, looking at the, looking at the missile. And then this horse fly, like the size of a half dollar, it seemed like lands on the white altar cloth. And I see it out of the corner of my eye and I was just, I just jumped. And so the the chalice Paul really exists so that you know the the half dollar sized horse fly doesn't land in the because ch- if anything that lands in that precious blood somebody's got to drink it right right um, so it, it it there probably is some kind of theological or liturgical significance but that but really practical the chalice Paul was developed in an- the ancient church so that priests didn't have to drink horse flies <laughs> is what I'm hearing got it. Um, don't, don't quote me on that. Uh, or I know you will though. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's going uh, word for word on the, on Twitter. That's that is the title oh, of gosh. the podcast now. <laughs> so, so these, okay, uh, that was a stretch I think, for me to, to make all those, all those connections is what I hear you saying. Sorry. I said it's, it was a bit of a stretch for me to make all those correlations between. No, I, I think the what you said yes. about when you walk into a church and the something's missing when the images are veiled is is a is perfect because it is a is a, it is a kind of fasting um, from something visual. Um, the the important thing is that it it makes us remember that these images aren't they're not just like kind of furniture that's all around us, right? These are these are supposed to be windows, especially when you talk about icons. They're supposed to be windows into a spiritual reality. So we can become kind of accustomed to these images that surround us, these sacred images that can just become part of every our everyday environment. But their purpose is, is not just to be there to, to look nice. Um, it's not just to be there as a decoration. It's actually to lead us into a spiritual reality. And when we veil them, that kind of gets it gets your attention. And, and then when they're unveiled, they, they have this renewed ability to lead us into that spiritual reality, right? Like the, the Christ on the cross, the corpus on the cross of your parish, that's not the real Christ, right? That it's an image that's supposed to lead you to the spiritual reality. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, it's supposed to lead you to the spiritual reality of who Christ is. Um, and, and Christ veils himself too. Um, it, it's a great, a great time to talk about like the Eucharist. He veils himself under the appearance of bread and wine so that we can draw close to him and, and consume him. I um, love what you're saying about like the veiling of these items allows us to fast from them. Like that's beautiful. And and the the readings last week from the scrutinies talked were about like the healing of the blind man, right? And so like here we have we talk about like how we're blind. Last week on the podcast we talked about like our blindness and spiritual blindness, but here it's denying ourselves seeing those things so that we can be, we can be, they can be revealed to us and like we can be reignited by that. It's that absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. I love yeah. it. That's awesome. Father. Thank you. And to, and to like strengthen our spiritual eyes, right? Like our spiritual vision. 
Um, so we, we're not just always relying on our on our physical sense of vision too. There's there's like a dying to our to our earthly vision that happens there, um, which I you know it's spiritual vision CrossFit. Yeah, <laughs> and and I can't really talk about this. What are we supposed to call it? This G, this this G. gospel. Yeah, it's a G. Okay, this Real this uh, I'll, I might just call it a gospel if that's okay. I'm a little okay. Okay, you're not as hip but as us, but that's all right. I would. I'm definitely not. But I would be remiss if I if I looked at this gospel and didn't pick out this line. Um, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And I really this. This verse is is really familiar to us, right? We hear Christ say it in so many ways. He talks about death um, in a lot of ways. And he, he goes even farther and he says, whoever hates his life will preserve it for eternal life. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates it preserves it for eternal life. And that that I think is so real for so many spouses, so many husbands and wives, and, and so many parents that they, they might not even think about it, right? Because I we we kind of think about death in our ordinary everyday sense in our society. It's like death is the end avoided at all costs, right? At anything that feels like death, whether it's fasting, whether it's not getting my way, whatever it is. Um, two-year-olds think like everything is death, that every no is like a death for a two-year-old. And they're like, no, I will not allow this. Right. So death high is school kids, high school kids also think that. Lord have mercy. And so I, I actually was a high school <laughs> campus minister um, before I became a priest. And uh, I know that very, sometimes it's the high school parents though, who like hearing no worse, <laughs> like who, who like hearing no least than the high school. High no school comment. Themselves. I have some who listen. So I, I don't know what you're talking about, father. <laughs> I'll, I'll speak for you. No. Um, but, but Christ, Christ says that death is the way to new life. So in order for death to lead to life, though, we have to choose it. And that's why we do things like Lenten penances, Friday penances throughout the year. Like, but it, it's also all of these deaths that, that people have to die, whether it's a sacrifice to care for your kids, whatever age they are, like in the middle of the night. Um, I saw a tweet today where, where somebody said one of their kids like turned on the light in the middle of the night to ask them a question. And I'm like... Okay, that that would that would drive me crazy. Like, <laughs> how are you supposed to get back to sleep? Like those those in those moments, you can choose that sacrifice, that death, and it can be an avenue to new life instead of an avenue to like bitterness and resentment or to anger. And so, that, I I think that's you know scripturally that that's a really powerful verse that I think could be really fruitful for a lot of parents. Uh, that's awesome. It's it's also likely that the question that child was asking was, "Are you asleep?" So it's really <laughs> great. Um, wait, but this this leads me right in. I got I'm ready for dumb questions here, Scott. We got to let it roll because this transition. It's time for Jeff's dumb questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer, and our collective IQ goes down a few points. All thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> thanks.
Thanks, Father. Um, I haven't heard that bumper yet. So yeah, that's it's new. Thanks, Ryan Moran. Uh, uh, okay. You were talking about it's the reason we fast in Lent. We've been talking about fasting. So here's my question. I've actually had this one for a lot of Lent, and it keeps just getting bumped off the list because we run out of time or I get distracted by something else. Where does the church slash you stand on when when kids or adults or anybody give something up for Lent? Where do you, where do you fall on Sundays? Being a lot, yeah. The look on your face Ooh. is exactly how I feel when people ask me. Where do you fall on like? Can you take Sundays off? Because I know the Sundays don't count as part of the forty days. And so, what are we like? Anyway, so I, I want to hear your take before I share my many vast thoughts. Okay, I got asked this question at a fasting a talk I was giving on fasting at St. Mary's the other week, and this year's a great week, year to talk about it because on March nineteenth, you don't have to abstain from meat, right? And that's because, yeah, that's because on solemnities, like in order to fast, we also have to embrace feasting. You can't just fast all the time. So we embrace feasting as well. So that that's like the spirit. I'm glad to know that I listen, I embrace feasting very much. (laughs) I didn't realize that it was a part of my spirituality (laughs) until right now. But I am an incredibly faith filled person. You are so holy. (laughs) Yeah. If if you fast and you don't feast, there you're you're doing it wrong. Um, so, but so that's the spirit of this whole. You know, I take a break on Sundays from my Lenten penance. Is that every Sunday in the church's calendar is a solemnity? It's a high holy day dedicated to the Lord. Um, the as as a spiritual director as a pastor, my advice to people, depending on the severity of their penance, is generally to maintain it throughout all of Lent. Um, be, because that... We're going this direction. Go on. Yeah, so I, I want to say it has a good spirit to, to not fast when we're supposed to be feasting, but if you look at the history of the church's Lenten penances and, and regulations, um, which, you know, a thousand years ago would have included only one meal a day, all of Lent. Um, so if, if you look at the history of those, the church continued to practice fasting, you know, when we went almost completely vegan during Lent, we would do that even on Sundays. And so, or, and, and some of our brothers and sisters in the, in the Eastern Catholic churches still, still do that. So I, I usually encourage people to maintain their penances on Sundays and I try to do that myself. Um, but there is a good spirit behind the sense of not fasting on a feast day. That's okay, a, I dance on that question. I liked it. This is about where I've always fallen. Is like, I I know there are plenty of people who are like, well, even you know, God rested on Sunday, right? Like, we can take a break from our penance. But I always lean back to the like, yeah, but Jesus literally died on a cross, so maybe you could just not eat Skittles on Sunday, right? Like, it's exactly. that's okay. So, anyway, I'm glad to hear. I I love the reaction, your facial reaction when I said that, and that I love the answer too. So thank you. Uh, the second question, this is actually the first one I wrote down, uh, but was how cool is it to have the name Jeff? Like that's a pretty great name, isn't it? It's pretty awesome. I mean, it means gift from God, right? So does it really? The, that's my understanding. Uh, <laughs> I think I think Jeffrey comes from the the kind of old English Godfrey, um, and and so Jeffrey means gift from God. Well, that's what this little said that. I got a I got a you card. Just said that. 
Oh, go ahead. When I was a kid, I got a card when I was a kid from this like Christian bookstore for like my first communion or something. And it said, Jeffrey means gift from God. That's what I'm basing it on. Just so we know. I, I think that's great, except I now know that Scott's going to start calling me Godfrey. <laughs> Every other keychain in that keychain in that gift shop also said Scott is a gift from God. <laughs> it's possible, but that wasn't my keychain. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's your truth. Listen, uh, Scott, <laughs> you slow down. The two of us are gifts from God, so you yeah, need to relax. That's his dictionary. Go ahead. <laughs> Merriam-Webster. Um, yes, uh, Next question, uh, St. Philip Neary, the parish you're at, you guys have a really famous gymnasium, right? Because the gym at St. Philip Neary was in the movie Hoosiers, one of my favorite movies of all time. That's Do you ever right. just go in there and shoot around and like hum the Hoosiers music in your in like to yourself while you're like dun 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 dun? <laughs> I I I don't hum the Hoosiers music to myself. Sometimes I'll go in there and play volleyball or basketball with the with the students, depending on what they're doing. I actually said mass in there for most of last summer. And last oh yeah. Fall. So I, I have this picture. I, I never put it on social media at all, but I have a picture that combines a shot from Hoosiers from the balcony and a shot of mass from the balcony. And it's like, I mean, obviously one of these is better than the other, but it was pretty cool to say. But also that that's the most where, Indiana picture that's ever existed. Yeah, exactly. Can you send me a copy of that picture? I want to see it. Well, we can talk about can we post it? That'd be fun. Anyway. I'll I yeah, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Now okay. I, I, I want to make sure I can deliver what I just promised. Yeah. Or or we'll just say that you refused. Um <laughs> uh all right. Last last question for you, because as I have been following you on Twitter and you recently engaged in quite an interesting conversation with one of our guests, Father James Brockmeyer. Oh, what no. is what is the <laughs> plural of drive-through? So this question might double the length of the podcast. No, don't. Uh, we don't need the whole thing. I just want to know. Anyone who wants to know more can go look up Father Dufresne and Father Brockmeyer and Father Tony Cecil, wonderful priests who I'd love to have on. Uh, you can go check out their answers. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the proper answer is drive-throughs. That's the plural of drive-through. Father Jeff, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank y'all for having me. It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday.